So welcome to a new episode of The Raw Take by Growth Lab, a leader in the finance as a service ecosystem. And here on The Raw Take, we share how we help our customers address their current challenges, their risks, and opportunities to drive value. And this is hosted by me, Dan Gertrudes. And me, Stephen Byler. Our goal each week on The Raw Take is to leverage our experience, our journey, to help you scale your business. Here we go. It is October 28th, and coming to the end of October, it's Halloween. Yeah, no. Monday is the 1st of November. Now my kids are like, why is Halloween on a Sunday? I was like, really? When I was your age, I'd be happy to have Halloween on a Sunday. Anyways, welcome to a new episode of Raw Take for CEOs. We are, as I said, we're coming to the end of October. A lot of news coming out on the economic front. Not to mention the um, policy makers and uh, yes. are live right uh, this morning. Yeah, making making the, some new kind of directions. But I think for us, before we get into like economic news, like growth lab news, right? Mm-hmm. You may have seen we have another podcast. Yeah, we've been toying with the idea over the last four months. I would say talking to more of our industry peers. And so, yeah, we finally made that leap, and we've started recording our new podcasts. It is called the FAS Evolution. FAS is in finance as a service. And it's really about talking to our industry peers, specifically our CPA friends, bookkeepers, outsourced fractional CFOs, etc. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've heard us kind of talk to them here on the Raw Take over the last few months. And, you know, that has been received well. And we still want to talk to you, our CEOs, about what we feel is important in running your businesses and and not talk to you as much about how we run our business. But we still want to share that information. So that's what the FAS evolution is all about in the accounting space. You know, we do feel like there is an evolution and it's taking place slowly. So it's not a revolution, but it's an evolution of how the account, accounting industry professionals and firms really provide value to their customers. And it's really taking more of a leadership role in helping customers, you, understand what is important, where you should you be spending your time, when you're thinking about planning, when you're thinking about your accounting processes, procedures, what's important for you. Yeah, obviously we never thought of ourselves as accountants or CPAs, because we're not, but we never thought of ourselves as management consultants, more of that extension of the management team, providing that cradle to close type of service, accounting, finance, which is a little, which is very different than sort of that transactional mindset. But anyways, I'm excited for that. We've got some great guests um, teed up. And um, unlike the raw take where we're sort of doing it in live and then creating and cutting editing for the podcast, we're going to be a little more methodical production-wise around that podcast. So we're not going to be releasing it as uh, consistently as we do with this one. So... Any final thoughts? No, let's get back yeah, to let's the get back. economic news. October, pretty much in the bag. I'd say overall, October was a, a good, solid month for our customers. And I think part of it is kind of going back to where we were in January and August. Many companies sort of pulling back, people taking a little bit of time off, taking that breather. But, you know, that July, August sort of slowed down has presented itself with a slower uh, GDP growth rate. I would say I'm not overly surprised. And if you actually look at leading indicators like the stock market, 
Obviously, the stock market sort of brushed that off also. We are at all-time highs, and here we are sitting at a GDP uh, percent change quarter over quarter, year over year uh, of 2%, which is probably a, lo a lot lower than folks would have thought. The other thing that kind of has come out uh, recently, and again, durable goods, very important sort of barometer of activity across businesses and consumers, that has decreased for the first time since the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, and I would say more importantly, because we have seen this in our customers, is that capital spending or business spending on longer term uh, assets, projects, yeah. in, aka investments into mm -hmm. their business. And I would say partly, I mean, it was a smart thing because, you know, back in July, we, we pretty much said, you know, here are three things that we're sort of looking at. And one was business activity. And here we are sitting on finally business activity increasing. And we're not talking just investment in long-term assets. Google released earnings this week, and we're going to touch a little bit more upon it, but it was quite impressive, the 40-plus uh, percent increase just in small in digital marketing, right? It's not all small businesses, I get it, but small businesses make a big chunk of that. So For sure. GDP a lot flatter than probably anticipated, but no surprise considering the July-August activity. But looking ahead into where we are in October, we're seeing good, solid activity. Uh, we talked a lot about this in September, like just seeing biz dev, you know, the pick back up, yeah. picking, picking back up. And I think, you know, whether it's Google ad, ad spend that is increasing, you know, co companies are out there looking for that increase in, in their in their top in their top line in the revenue. And they're investing in whether it's equipment, whether it's, you know, other, other things for to make themselves more efficient, to to bulk up on the uh, production capability so that they can drive that increased revenue. And let's face it, it's also a hedge against the great resignation, right? When it's harder to find employees, you know, you're struggling to retain, forget about bringing on new employees. I mean, the, the flip side to all that is, or your hedge is, well, let's go invest in things that automate. Things that automate, and yeah, when we do get people back, let's get them back onto some new new and or expanded equipment. Yeah, and so the other piece of news that uh, has come out this week is U.S. jobless claims. So that's a good feeling, a good sense of where employment is headed. And so that number has actually fallen to pre-pandemic, right around the start of the pandemic. Uh, so that's a, probably a, no surprise either, right? No surprise, but it's a it's a huge milestone to to get back to pre-pandemic levels. Yeah, and you know, and like Steve said, you know, that uh, our uh, fearless leaders in Washington D.C. You know, they're putting together, I, I, I think I've lost track of how many zeros, if it's one, two, ten trillion, uh, whatever it is, it's a whole lot of spending that's going on. And obviously to offset that spending, they're trying to find ways to close the, uh, the gap by raising taxes. A lot of crazy stuff kind of, uh, maybe it's not crazy, but it's like, it's, it's a little bit on the edge on some of the uh, approaches to raising uh, income uh, to our uh, you know, for our spending. Yeah, I think for you know small business CEOs in particular, a lot of them are going to be passed through entities. Like you got to really like take like pay attention to what happens, or at least lean on your uh, tax advisors. Uh, see what happens because it that might change the rules here mid you know midway through the year. Yeah, and it's really unfortunate for uh, any of our uh, listeners who are part of that seven hundred billion club. 
yeah, you're probably going to have a wealth tax uh, coming at you. But, you know, um, hopefully you continue to listen. It doesn't put too much of a dent in your lifestyle. And uh, I think, you know, uh, other things to, like, uh, look at, you know, some of the stuff that they're carving out to bring that dot, that the number of zeros early, uh, down. Yeah, they're, they're taking out, uh, I believe, ERTC for Q4 as a, a way to save a little cash. Oh, really? Paid leave, I believe, is coming out of the... Yeah, so paid leave was being thrown around originally 12 weeks, and then they tried to, you know, ratchet down to four weeks, and I think as of uh, the beginning of this week, it was uh, completely taken out. You know, paid leave is an interesting thing because there are two perspectives, right? If you were an employee of a Fortune 100 company or, you know, a large middle market company, that paid leave, you know, you've got four kids, it's kind of nice to know that, you know, you have a child, you as a dad, you know, you have these rights. But now as a small business owner, you're like, oh shit, you mean that's one more compliance thing, one more thing I need to worry about. You know, one more thing I actually need to track and, uh, and you know, geez, I, I actually need to do it right because, you know, it could come bite me in the ass. <laughs> you know, it, it's, a, it's always these two-sided things. I personally, uh, progressive, I, I do believe in, you know, a social net, social cushion. But as a, as a business owner, my experience over the eight years is, you know, it's just one more thing I need to worry about. And as opposed to me worrying about, you know, making there's, investments there's a, there's a whole lot business, of things right? that could be a long conversation but you know small business have to uh, if they want to embrace that or are required to embrace that you know we as a uh, we have to be ready to as a consumer and business base pay small businesses appropriately for their services where traditionally i would say they're probably under undervaluing their services yeah i mean i still remember uh, when massachusetts put the uh, in PMFL, yeah. paid medical family med- PFML, and they did it like in the beginning of Q4 of the prior year. So you had to actually have your shit together and have all your, you know, your your you had to be connected and you you had to be ready to track in the middle of October or November. I think that's what it was, if I recall. It was probably like three years ago, mm-hmm. and you and I were looking at each other and it was like, okay, you know, we're probably a little bit more prepared for these things because we have the technology, we've got great platforms. We've got great people, even though we're still somewhat of a small team. But think about those employers that have 50, 60, 100 employees, but they really don't have the sophisticated platforms, never mind the management framework internally to deal with that kind of stuff. I'm all for the family paid leave. I'm just not sure I want another thing on my shoulders as a small business owner, but that's just my take. But uh, that said, over the next few weeks, uh, the dust will settle and there will be a lot more to talk about because from the looks of it, what's coming through Congress right now, it will probably be rewriting a lot of our tax laws. And so that's going to affect people, especially as we're approaching year end. And some of these things may actually be retroactive, which totally sucks. Yeah, I would just just say pay attention to tax planning as as you always do it towards the end of the year. And uh, this is another layer on top of that that you just need to stay close to your tax partners for if you have any questions you know, we've got we've got uh, Steve Cummings who uh, geeks out of this stuff all day long so one of the things that I always enjoy is sort of you know yeah we take information at face value take observations uh, at face value what I enjoy is digging into some of these things I think th- the biggest news this week is Google's earnings and I'm gonna harp on this because, yeah, we can talk about like Facebook's privacy and what it has done to 
the Snapchats and, and others. Um, but when you're Google and you have so much information, right, that's impressive. And what's really impressive is I would say that the biggest news coming out this week is the fact that Google actually uh, booked the fastest growth in digital advertising, like what, what was 41 the, what was percent. I mean, I'm reading here in the, in the, the Wall Street Journal, sales growth growth is more than a decade and nearly doubled in profit in the third quarter and attributable to smaller smaller businesses pouring money into digital ads. So, I mean, check this out. Like the company's ad business that's led by obviously Search, Maps, and YouTube posted a $53 billion in sales from advertising, a 43% increase. Okay. Uh-huh. That, that's huge because actually what we were saying uh, in July was don't be throwing good money after bad money. Like we have gone, we have, we have, um, we are, we were 12 months from the start of the pandemic over the summer. And what happens in marketing is we're all lemmings, right? We're all following each other. And we're, we're even seeing it too, because I, I actually wanted to turn on pay-per-click advertising strategy. And I've been very cautious about that because at, at its face, I've been seeing CPC prices going up which are, for which, our keywords. Yeah, which they're benefiting from. But, you know, it costs you a lot more because there's a lot more competition out there for those keywords. And, you know, 12 months ago, we were talking about, like, you know, CPC costs were at the lowest point, right? And we were talking about Facebook. Like, if you could get onto Facebook and spend the money, like, it was going to be the lowest price per click. And here we are today looking at a you know Google's Google's yep. earnings in Q3 and by the way Q3 is July, August and September. July and August are GDP like was flat 2% growth, right? That's not good enough coming out of a pandemic. But yet here we are looking at Google's advertising uh, revenue growing by 43%. It, I think it just goes to show you we may be at we may be touching the top of a market. We are all lemmings, and the first thing that gets cut, restructuring 101, for some reason, is marketing, right? So when things are really good at the top, we're all dumping money into marketing. When things are really shit, we're all pulling back on marketing. Totally does not make sense. Yeah, it's uh, just the, you go back to your core. And so I, I kind of, you know, my recommendation is buyer beware. We've never been really big fans of Google AdWords, although it's a great place. We've used it. We've gotten great customers out of those strategies. And I, I'm chomping at the bit to turn our strategy back on. But the, the reason we haven't is because we want to make sure that we're going after the right things that we can turn into a good ROI, right? Because it, it's not just about getting that click, right? Because that's what you, in you know, pay-per-click, that's what you pay for. You pay for when somebody clicks your uh, clicks your link, right? But then you got to take that person and you got to convert them into a customer, right? And for for, for some e-commerce, that's a lot lot shorter uh, of, a, of a journey for a customer. But for others, you know, it's, it's a longer journey. You got to get them to your site. You got to convince them that they want to buy what you're selling. And then you got to convince them that they should buy it from you, not from the other guy down the street. Yeah, the click doesn't convert into a sale. Right, is where you're going. The click doesn't convert into a sale, and so you know you got to really make sure that uh, you're spending your money appropriately. But you know, on uh, behind that, you have to have all all of your like what we talk about is having digital marketing as a core competency. It's not just about your ad spend. It actually it doesn't really even matter about your ad spend if you're just spending money on crap 
things for you. You got to make sure that you're creating content that drives value to the customer, especially in our business where it's a, it's a people business. You got to make sure that you're educating the market first, because uh, otherwise, you know, when they click and go read your content or go read your website, they're not going to find value there and they're going to leave. So in other words, what you're trying to say is Google AdWords strategy is a two-pronged approach. One, you have to have an, a strategy around your keywords versus CPC that app optimizes, right? So you're not overpaying for keywords. So sometimes it's looking at long tail keywords. Mm -hmm. And then two, making sure you have the techniques, the copyright, the, the, the right structure so that if and when somebody does click, yeah, you're going to pay, but someone does click, you're going to be able to position wherever they click to right. to actually convert into a demo, ultimately into a customer. Like a lot, a lot easier said than done. It's it's a lot easier to just like shove money yeah. in the, uh, you know, keep pulling the lever. Yeah. I think that one of the interesting things, and we can probably move on from here, but it's like you want to make sure that your even your the wording around what they're going to click, self selects the people that are not going to buy, out. Right. So even before they click and even before they come to your space, they're self selecting so that if you are not a good fit, that you're putting language in there that turns them away. Right. And so. Here we go again. So Alphabet, Google's parent, said Tuesday that revenue, total company revenue, rose by 41% to $65 billion. So if you kind of look at the numbers here, $53 billion for advertising, $65 billion for the whole company, you know that Google is <laughs> still an advertising company. But it is actually the largest increase in 14 years. What's 2021 minus 14? 2007. And what was 2007? It was the peak of the last market, right? Here we are again. Here we are again. So you can't make this up. Plan, Buyer beware. Plan accordingly. I just told the customer yesterday. Plan accordingly. We're a big SEMrush shop here. We love SEMrush. SEMrush is a great tool for anybody who really wants to get deep into the intelligence behind digital marketing, SEO, uh, anything that has to do with that world, SEMrush is awesome. And one of the beauties about SEMrush is that you can actually pry into what your industry or market participants, aka competitors, are actually spending on Google AdWords. You can do a bunch of other stuff, SEO and mm -hmm. inbound, yeah. but think about it. If you go on to SEMrush and you do a research on, say, outsourced bookkeeping, Outsourced accounting. The number, like the, the first three competitors, if you will, that are on that list, they're all venture backed. They're all venture backed. You've got companies that have $100 billion valuations with less than 1,200, 1,400 customers. We already have 250 customers. And they're spending money. And they're dropping money like drunken sailors. I think one of the funniest times is when you see. I'm them, not going to compete with that shit. And I, I think it's. Funny when you see them dropping money on their name, right? Like, as a small business owner, if you can't rank for people searching for your name, <laughs> then you got some other other problems. But don't spe don't spend money on paying for people to click on your name. Well, because we're fortunate enough that we're still like in two, you know, second position. I can see that strategy, but when you're competing for keywords, like generic keywords that are that are about your business and who you're competing against are venture-backed companies 
with yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars in their war chest, there's no way you're gonna. There's no way you're gonna survive. There's no way you're gonna make out. They're always gonna. It's like a, yeah. And the only one that makes out is Google. <laughs> On that note. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Raw Take for CEOs. We want to briefly interrupt this week's episode and talk a little bit about Growth Lab's financial planning and analysis services. Here at Growth Lab, we strive to become a part of your internal data and finance team. Our FP&A team works closely with your department heads to get them the data they need analyzed and delivered when they need it. Whether it's your annual budget, a weekly cash flow plan, or communications to your board and investors, we are here to support your growth. Through the early days of go-to-market, through the later stages of acquisitions or transitions, you have access to a team that knows you and can support your various needs without you having to hire for multiple roles. If you're interested in partnering with us, give us a call or send us an email. Now back to this week's episode. Turn to the second part here. Just, uh, you know, what, what we're going to talk about today is uh, what we sent out in our newsletter last week. You know, we have been talking about the great resignation of 2021. You know, we're seeing a lot of people uh, kind of trade up, ladder up on, on their jobs uh, because there is, it is a employee's market right now. They're, they're, I mean, I was just looking at some of the numbers, especially in the startup space, Q2 to Q3, and the average salaries, you know, salary data, because we're benchmarking for several of our customers right now because um, they're expanding their org chart dramatically. The the salaries have just, like, popped. Mm-hmm. Like, like, we're not talking, like, 2, 5, 10%. We're talking, like, 20%, 30%. And these are, these are big, big numbers. You're seeing a lot of people trade up. They call it, we call it the great resignation of 2021. And last week in our newsletter, uh, shout outs, you know, here's like ideas, ways that we think that you should focus on to uh, mitigate your exposure to the, the great resignation of 2021. But there is definitely two parts to this, right? Folks who are actually, you know, actively seeking employment they're out of the job market, right? That, that there's a whole sanction of, uh, a whole slew of like society that has removed themselves out of the job market. And that's not unusual, right? If you go back to 2008, 2009, people just got sick and tired of hearing the word no all the time that they just stopped looking, mm-hmm. right? right? This is not the case now. It's not that you're getting the, the, the uh, doors slammed in your face. It's there has been a paradigm shift on how people see work and life and you know put bringing it all together um but so there is that piece and then there's the other two pieces which are your current employees you know how do you keep them how do you maintain you know how do how do you retain them yeah because it's a lot easier to retain a customer uh, uh, an employee employee, and a customer customer, than to get a new one and then the other side is bringing on new team members. Now, I have seen, uh, especially in some of our more sort of um, small business traditional operating companies, not so much like the startup world, new employee acquisition has picked up. Mm-hmm. And it's actually it's actually alleviating a lot of the pressures that I think some of these customers saw over the summertime. I mean, I, I feel like in July, people were sort of really pulling their hair. I mean, there was a lot of uncertainty. The customer demand was there, whether it was the consumer, or the eds, the meds, the techs. There was demand there, but they weren't able to fill that demand and put aside supply chain constraints, right? This was just like, even if I had a purchase order, I couldn't, I, I couldn't actually service it. I couldn't actually put it into production because I didn't have the people. I couldn't hire fast enough. Right. And so I'm, we are seeing that um, taper off. 
but the resignation piece is not. That's a, that's a big one. Conversation a couple of days ago was, yeah, we just hired a bunch of people, but the people that were working here, they're taking some time off, you know? And so thinking about the great resignation and thinking about how, what you can do. Remember, people are here to get a paycheck, but that's just half the battle. People are here because softer stuff. Yeah. So I think, you know, the three things we said was, uh, you know, communicate with the company, basically communicate with your company about what your goals are, then focus on your, your teams, you know, your different functional teams, make sure you're communicating to them what you, you know, A, expect of them and, and B, you know, what the results have been so that they can stay motivated. But I think the third one is really kind of key is understand what really motivates people. And that's, you know, that's what's going to A, be able to make you keep your people and, and B, really find the right new employees for your business. Yeah, and so when I started putting this newsletter together, I actually reached out to one of our younger team members, and she's been with us for about two years, and kind of picking her brain, I said, you know, why, why do you keep coming here? Like, wh why do you come to work? What is it about, you know, wh why do you feel engaged? This, these three things really kind of came out of her. She's just like, well, I feel like I'm part of something. I feel like I'm influencing something. I feel like what I do here matters and there's a bigger picture. And I said, well, what's the bigger picture, right? And, and she could articulate that. And so to me, that's important. And you talk about company goals, right? Yeah, and then so, so that's kind of like purpose, right? So she feels like she's got some purpose, right? So that's kind of number one within like what motivates people. Yes. You know, she said purpose. Purpose is, is what, you know, what I feel like I'm part of something. I feel like I influence things. You know, this, this, it, takes the you know it's, it's a groundswell like you're not just here to be a lemming you know you're here to help drive value and you your actions your decisions your input really affects you know the decisions that we make yeah and so you know as an employee you feel like you have you're, you're part of something bigger you got you got purpose here one thing i've uh, taken to heart f for since day one is keep it simple keep it simple keep it simple and so when we talk about the company purpose, the company vision, like keep it simple. People want to hear the vision, but they, you need to be able to articulate it in less than 10 words because that, those 10 words have to follow an employee all the way through the last day they're here, right? And hopefully it impacts them beyond that. Uh, but keeping it simple, communicating the company vision, it doesn't have to be fancy McKinsey and management consulting style. It can just be like, what's important to us? And how are we going to achieve it? Like, how do we know we're actually achieving it, right? So you got your vision and then you've got your goals. How am I actually going to, you know, how mm -hmm. do I measure that? And employees, they, they, they need that. They want to know that this is the bigger purpose. This is the bigger opportunity. What does it mean for me? Okay, so now you move over to the team level, which is what, you know, number two that you mentioned was, okay, now you need to communicate the same to the team. Yes, the vision is not going to be company vision, but it's going to be what is the purpose? You know, what is it that we're doing here for who? Happy customers, elevated, ethical, you know, things that, that resonate with folks. And then the last piece is pushing it right down to the employee level. And I don't care if you're a 10-person business or a 500-person business. Yes, as, you, as, you, you know, as you're in the thousands, that's a whole other world. But you should be able to be open. You should have, you know, check in on team members. You can't do it every day as you're growing, but taking a moment and 
talking and listening, you know, listen to how employees, team members are feeling. What makes them tick? I think that, that that's like one of the one of the biggest things here that I think see a lot of business owners not spend the time on because it's easy it's easy to spend the time on communicating your your goals and your vision and even go down to the functional level and a lot of people fail at that one but that's that that comes more naturally to leaders uh, I think and, and some just do not spend the time to with their people and yes if you're a 500 person firm the CEO can't be doing that for every everybody but it's got to you got to embed that in the culture of your business so that managers are not just uh, clocking in and clocking out, but do are able to spend time with people to find out what what drives them, what what's uh, what drives them to feel purposeful, what gets them. I think there's three things there: it's purpose, professional development, like growth as mm-hmm. a, as an employee, and and money, right? The compensation package. But you put that one last because that's that's paying for your time. The other two are really the things that get, keep people engaged, keep them motivated, and go towards paying into retaining them. As, a, as an employee. Yeah, and don't assume, right? So part of, so I think you have like two types of managers, right? Ones that kind of stay a little bit at the top, just always focusing on the vision, the mission, the company goals, but really don't engage with the employees. And then you have the flip side, which is probably, I would even put myself in this bucket where I actually enjoyed the one-to-one, especially when we were smaller, but never really put much value in stating, restating, you know, the vision, the goals, it was, those were in my head. We understood them. We were aligned, right, to hit those goals, but we never really, really brought everybody along until very recently. But one of the three things that are, you know, very common across the, what we just kind of touched on is, you know, part of the de-risking here is, one, you know, strategic planning. So you can sit here and talk about vision, mission, goals, and all, and organization, and all this, and growth, but you still need some strategic planning. And the strategic planning needs to be grounded in numbers, right? You need to be able to see how am I getting from point A to point B, and who's involved, and mm-hmm. who's accountable, and, you know, what are the underlying. And then the second piece, of course, is operational planning, because it's one thing to say I'm going to go from A to B, but if you don't show me how you're going to get there, you know, you're kind of probably shit out of luck. And then the third piece that I think is probably the biggest piece to de-risking something as uh, dramatic as the resignation uh, wave that we're seeing this year is an HR framework. HR framework, we're not just talking about employee reviews, it's connecting compensation with mm-hmm. purpose, with goals, with job. Yeah, and for growth, for us, we, you know, we, we were able to see that, really that connection when we did have more people uh, buying into our performance-based compensation, our bonus, our bonus program. That really kind of tied all of these three things together, to, tied to the strategic plan, the corporate goals, with the operational metrics of who's doing what, what are their their key uh, KPIs, and then really saying if, you, if we hit those things, here's how your whole compensation uh, package, here's the framework, here's our hiring framework, all of those things kind of tied together. Um, so kind of looks looks like three three simple lists of uh, three things you can do to mitigate the great resignation, but uh, um, if you haven't seen seen that or read it, take a look back at our, our newsletter from last week. Yeah. I do want to point out the sign. I love the sign. Uh, one of our strategic partners, Giraffe, they had a lot of uh, sort of their logo. Their logo. I had these uh, cool, so I was just like chomping at the bit to get one, and um, kudos to Allison. 
That's all I have. Thanks for joining us. Yep. And I uh, look forward to having you uh, join us again next week on the Raw Take for CEOs. Thank you. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us here on the Raw Take by Growth Up. We are passionate about the finance as a service space and helping our customers and our industry overcome challenges and take advantage of opportunities. Yeah, that was fun, Steve. Appreciate it. See everyone next week.